Pines with Jack, Season 3, Episode 41. The Tolkien Movie. Good morning, and welcome to Pints with Jack, a podcast where two enthusiastic C.S. Lewis amateurs get together, share a beverage, and discuss a work of C.S. Lewis. This season, we read Till We Have Faces. But today, we are beginning Tolkien Month. My name is David, and today I'm discussing the 2019 movie Tolkien with my most delightful co-host. It's obviously not Matt. It's my fiancée, Marie. Hello. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for providing the beverages for today. You're welcome. So, listeners, we are drinking Monkey Shoulder today, which is what Marie bought me for my birthday a few months ago, and we decided that we weren't going to open it until we were going to record this episode. As I'm sure you can imagine, we've been kind of busy, because we'll be getting married at the time of releasing, when we're going to publish this episode, we'll be getting married this month. So, we've been kind of busy. Do you want me to say anything? Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm happy to be here today. I really enjoyed the movie, and the smell of this monkey shoulder is really, honestly, getting me in the mood to talk about it, so... Well, let's kick things off first with the quote of the week. And it comes from The Lord of the Rings. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. I thought that was appropriate, given that over the course of our relationship, I've swept you off your feet. (laughs) Yes, literally almost every day. Because David used to do judo when he was in high school, and so sometimes he'll just randomly grab me and flip me off the ground. Um, It's not really romantic. It's more of a... (laughs) Not with that attitude. (laughs) It's more of a, um, yeah, just a funny thing. But it gets us laughing every time. If if I'm in a bad mood, sometimes he'll just, you know, flip me and see if I feel better. (laughs) Swept off your feet, knocked off your feet. There's a very small difference. Yes. Now, it's normally at this point in the show where I would toast one of our Patreon supporters, since this is one of the benefits that we give to those in the upper tiers. But I'd like to toast all of the listeners today. And with my fiancé, I am drinking some delightful scotch that she brought me. And we are sitting in our closet. (laughs) We're surrounded by my dresses and jackets and some of David's things as well. As you can imagine, there's a there's a there's a solid you know few centimeters that is allotted for my clothes. Uh, you know, we have well, we Marie- split it evenly, half and half. I will say this. We, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> oh goodness! But Marie moved into our what will become our marital home. She moved in a, a couple of weeks ago. And so I've started moving my stuff in. and But it's kind of great because I get to sleep at my apartment at home, which has now become a complete bachelor pad. And then I come here and this is where all of my other junk is kept. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess we should say our closet is massive. It's like a small room rather than a closet. So we're very comfortably sitting in here in two chairs and with a computer between us. So... Yeah, it's a big walk-in closet, which was one of the perks about renting this condo. Yep. As soon as I saw it, I thought, this is going to make a great studio. I mean, a great place for Marie to put all of her beautiful clothes. Yes. Anyway, we're getting off track. 
Uh, so I'm going to toast all of our Patreon supporters because you guys are great. So cheers to you all. And in the words of the wonderful Mr. Baggins of Bag End, I don't know half of you as half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. Cheers. Cheers. Gosh, it smells so good. How would you how would you describe the smell? Rich. It's got a little bite to it. Mm-hmm. It's burning my nostrils, but in a nice way. <laughs> it's almost got a little sweetness. Mm-hmm. When you smell it, you can kind of smell it's maybe like a, a little honey mm-hmm. sweetness to it. But much better smelling than Jack Daniels, Tennessee honey whiskey or whatever. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of Jack Daniels. Listeners, you are currently hearing all of the many reasons why I'm marrying this woman. All right, let's uh, let's try a little taste. I like it. How would you describe it? Spicy. Mm-hmm. It's got a spicy little kick as it goes over your tongue. Also, it's just really well-rounded. I would really recommend this. It's not a very expen- expensive scotch. She's had one sip and she's already slurring her words. <laughs> well, when I was, I always go to David's best friend when I'm trying to get a gift for David. I pretty much just buy him a new bottle of scotch and maybe some clothes to replace the 45-year-old clothes that he, he hasn't even been alive for 45 years, but you know, his clothes or whatnot. And, um, and... Our friend Joe, he helps me every time to pick it out, and he recommended this one, and I was happy because it didn't cost a million dollars, and it is delicious. You can cut whatever of that out that you want to. Oh, no, to. all of this is staying no. in. <laughs> so, before we start talking a little bit about the movie, you and I are engaged. That's kind of cool. It's been very fun. And it's also been kind of odd, because we have been engaged at a very odd time in history. Yes. We've had the coronavirus, and we've had all of the various riots that happened scarily close to your home. Yeah. Uh, but one of the really nice things is, I think it's just focused us on what's really important. Yeah. Because we don't get to fuss too much because most things have been shut. A lot of places are limiting their services. There are constraints on the number of people that can gather. So it's not like we're having to spend time arguing about ice sculptures or swans. (laughs) Yeah, it's been actually a huge blessing because a week after we were engaged, uh, everything sort of turned upside down, our world turned upside down. And two weeks after we got engaged, they shut everything down and... We were only planning on having a five and a half month engagement anyway. And so for four months of that, we've gotten to just be together and pray and just focus on spending time together and also getting this home that I'm living in now ready. I don't think that's the experience that a lot of people have when they're engaged. I think they're planning a wedding for nine or ten months and it (laughs) could be stressful the entire time. But David and I are both very simple, so we knew we wanted it simple from the beginning. And then when things shut down, we were forced to make it simple. And <laughs> Even it, simpler. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, the importance of what we're doing is that we're going to have a marriage that glorifies God, hopefully, God willing. And 
not that we get to have the biggest and best party, even though we will celebrate that day. David's promised me a burrito at the end of the night. (laughs) That's not a metaphor. (laughs) A real burrito, a California burrito. So I would say we're both excited and happy. And we have to do a few arrangements because we are having our immediate family at the wedding. Well, my immediate family at the wedding. We're missing David's family because they're in England. But I'm making them all wear their wedding attire at home at 7, 8 p.m. in England and watching us on live stream. Yes. So we've been kind of arranging the things that we need to for that day. And so we've had a little bit of, well, I've had a little bit of stress, but I think relatively to have four out of your five-month engagement uh, very peaceful and beautiful is a huge gift. So. And we finished marriage prep with our pastor. We got an A. We got an A. I I made him repeat it a couple of times just to make sure that he was going to tell people we got an A. We read a couple of really great books. Yes. One Flesh was one of the books that we read. Who wrote that? I don't remember the author's name. I can't remember. It was some Eastern Orthodox theologian. It was was really good. Beautifully written, and it just confirmed what we already were sort of gathering about marriage, about theology of the body and what a husband and wife's role is. And, you know, it was so beautifully written, so helpful. And yeah, and it just reconfirmed what we already knew about what we were entering into, that this is about sacrifice and, but it's also really beautiful and I hope fun. (laughs) (laughs) So. <laughs> and we also read a book written by an evangelical. The, the really good parts of that, they got you to do a, a personality quiz. Yeah. Uh, I would say other couples might get more out of that, but you and I are quite different people in many mm. different ways, in our primary love languages, in our basic ways of, of Existing. being. <laughs> we exist in different worlds. Yeah. So a good portion of our dating experience was trying to work out how these two things could coexist. But part, of the, but part of the reason that we work out so well, I am slurring because I've been drinking <laughs> two sips of scotch. Two sips. Um, is because while we are very different, you're very introverted, I'm very extroverted, and all of that, we're, neither of us is shy. And so I think from the beginning, we kind of took the challenges head on, and we had to... <laughs> Just figure out what the heck this other person wanted and, you know, who they were. And now I really appreciate your differences. Um, I hope I still say that in 20 years. <laughs> or, or maybe two months. We'll, 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 we'll circle back. <laughs> yeah, that book. So they did a personality quiz and then they had us do a joint budget together. And that, I thought, was a really practical thing to mm-hmm. do that was really good. And the hilarious thing is it really showed up our differences. Yes. So the first thing I do is crack open a spreadsheet, format it. Oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was a beautiful sight to behold, ladies and gentlemen. I pulled out a notebook and a pencil, and David pulled out an Excel doc. And then we went to town on the Excel doc because I quickly saw that that made much more sense. Um And it turns out you don't actually have to be good at math if you use an Excel document because you can just plug it all in. It's amazing. (laughs) But basically, our strengths 
have both come out during wedding planning because David just, I sometimes tell him this, it looks like magic when he's on the computer because he does things so quickly and he knows all of these shortcuts. And so it's just like, bing, bang, boom, we've got all this done. Um, That would take me hours and hours to figure out how to do on my own. And I'm generally just enthusiastic, so <laughs> that's been getting us somewhere, too. Um, I I think one of my strengths that I've learned, not that you're asking, but one of my strengths... That Marie, what do you think are your <laughs> key strengths you're bringing to this Thank marriage? You. I am willing to just, like, call anybody at any time when we need to figure something out, whether you it be... practiced on me for the two years of our dating. <laughs> Didn't matter what time of the night it was. When you had feelings that needed to be shared, <laughs> you, you just had me on speed dial. God bless you. Yeah, the number of nights when I called you with thoughts when you were already asleep were many, but I don't do that anymore. You don't, and it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> we've we've grown up. We've adjusted together. Anywho... It's been really fun. Glad to hear it. Well, let's get on to today's topic, which is the 2019 Tolkien movie. And it's about the early life of J.R.R. Tolkien, how he met his wife, his experience in the war. And it brings us basically up into the point when he's really starting to write. What, what did you like most about it? And I'm going to I'm going to give you an opportunity to say things that you didn't like as well. Yes. But let's start positive. Okay. Um, first of all, I thought it was beautifully shot. I thought that the movie was a good combination of artistic, you know, flashbacks and uh, portrayals of things, as well as it seemed, you know, mostly accurate. Um, I've read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Uh, but other than that, I haven't read a whole lot about Tolkien. So what I've learned has been from you and from other um, contemporaries who uh, are better versed. And from the people that I spoke to, it wasn't completely inaccurate as a movie. They didn't take too much artistic license. So, um, But my favorite part of the movie was probably the tea house where the four boys, Tolkien and his three friends, meet uh, Helheima, <laughs> uh, where they meet to discuss ideas and literature and uh, you art know, and poetry and women and <laughs> drinks and you know their lives and their dreams that they have and I just thought it was so moving and after seeing those scenes with those friends even as young as they were when they started I wanted friendships like that I wanted friendships where we just were aching to talk about music and poetry and and the words that we were putting down on the page and I do have luckily I do have friends who love to talk about books and I have a fiance who loves to talk about books um but that that I thought was so well done it made you really believe in their friendship and and it made you want the good beautiful true things that they were experiencing not to mention the copious cups of tea that they drank while they were there absolutely or the proposals they made to maids (laughs) while they were there (laughs) i also thought that that made i i guess we should say 
spoiler alert if in case people haven't watched it but I thought that uh the tea scenes and watching the boys grow up also made the war scenes that much more heartrending mm-hmm. you know when he's searching for his friend Jeffries and finds out that he's you know passed away and one of his other friends passes away it just makes i mean juxtaposing those two things i think amps up your feelings in both of those situations the happiness and joy when he's with his friends and the horror when he's in war it put me in mind of the passion of the christ because most of that is brutal and then you have these brief flashbacks to earlier in christ's life when he's with his mother Mm. and with his disciples and it's so lovely and warm and then you cut back to the passion it just makes it all the worse yes i that's a very good comparison i think what they did very well in this movie, and I don't know if it was their intention, but it's where my Lewis Chesterton Tolkien mind goes, is that, and you can correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but the philia of the boys and the eros and philia of Tolkien with his future wife, they were both beautifully different. I thought that those those two different, very different relationships, but very deep relationships, showed a lot about Tolkien. That he treasured his relationships with other people, that his relationship with his mother, which was, I thought, too short. It was so tender, but I wanted to see more. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see more of that. More of the Stulge. Yes. Um, but I thought that prepared him, the love of his mother clearly prepared him to be a lover of other people and she you could tell i mean even just from the beginning of the the movie where you only get to know her for a few minutes really that he has this solid foundation of how how you know how his mother behaves and how they're to behave and how they govern their lives she had this wonderful imagination and sense of creativity and um when she tells them stories she's doing the voices and she's acting them out and she's giving them this love for literature that a person it's really a gift i mean not every person receives that as a child and you can tell that she just fed his imagination from day one Yeah, I'm behind you in all of that. The cinematography of the entire movie was gorgeous. Uh, One thing that you didn't mention was the music, which I thought Mm. was wonderful. Very, very appropriate. Uh, But yeah, the central ideas that I thought the movie communicated very strongly, his love of words, his love of his friends, his love of Edith, as you mentioned. uh, And they brought all of those together in very clever ways when... Tolkien was with his friends and when he was with Edith. So, for example, in the scene where he and Edith go to tea, you get to see two of Tolkien's great loves. His love for Edith, because he's taking her there on a date, and his love of words when they spend their time talking about Celador, the most beautiful word in the world. Which, if you're an American, doesn't sound beautiful. Cellar door. Door. (laughs) But Celador does sound much more beautiful. And what, what I particularly loved about that scene was it it communicated a very special kind of intimacy that goes far beyond what you would normally get in a romance movie. Mm-hmm. You know, when a couple embrace or 
anything that goes beyond that. This was something where they were sharing a very deep part of each other. He was he was sharing something that he deeply cared about, and she was interested, and she had thoughts about it. And you yes. can tell he's he's a little little put off his guard. Yes. But at the same time, here is somebody with whom he can connect over some of the things that he loves most deeply. It takes an incredible amount of vulnerability to share something that you've written or share your very intimate thoughts about something with another person. It's not something that can be automatically given over. And so, yeah, I agree. I think they showed that really well that when their relationship with each other had grown enough, he was divulging you know, his stories and his ideas and what he thought was beautiful, very vulnerable. And, and she supported him in it, disagreed a bit, but supported him. Typical woman. <laughs> <laughs> now, the family and estate of Tolkien, they didn't approve of or authorize or participate in the making of this film. So in that spirit, you've hinted at a couple of things already. What did you like least about this movie? What I liked least about the movie was that, A, I think we only saw a cursory glance of his life. I mean, seeing the first 25 years of anyone's life who lives past the age of 60 is really not a fair representation of their whole life. Um, I wish we had seen more of his familial relationships. Mm -hmm. You don't really see any development with his mother beyond those first glimpses. You don't see any development with his brother. And also, some of the setup isn't very clearly communicated. You could be very easily left wondering where his dad is, but he's already dead at this point. He's died in South Africa. Right. And it's never really spelt out why this priest is hanging around, Father Morgan, yeah. and why he seems to be so involved. And that, for me, was my chief criticism of the movie. I said that it does very well at communicating his love of words, his love of friendship, his love for Edith. But you can't talk about J.R.R. Tolkien without talking about his faith. And it wasn't that I, I, I needed that to be beaten over the head. There have been a lot of terrible Christian movies that have come out over the last decade. I just wanted to see a little bit more of that present even if it was just in a montage, if it was just seeing him pick up a rosary along with his keys as he's walking out of the door, or a crucifix in the corner. I also thought that um, the priest, what did you say his name was? Father Morgan. I thought he was sort of painted in a negative light. And part of it is that Tolkien is a teenager, and he's being <laughs> difficult, and he's not studying, and he's sort of living in la-la land. And so Father Morgan is coming down on him a little bit more harshly than maybe he would have otherwise. I think they could have actually swung far more in that direction than they did. And that's actually what I was afraid that they were going to do. So I, th I actually think they were somewhat restrained, but still at the same time, we didn't really get to know Father Morgan. Well, he was just yeah, the priest. That's the thing. If we had gotten to see a lot of the good parts of his relationship with him, which I think there were many good, you know, I think Tolkien had, a lot of positive experiences with his in his faith life, then I think seeing the negative side of things would have just come across as, oh, he's chastising a teenager, which is totally <laughs> typical. Um, but I remember the first time you and I watched it, I was so heartbroken for him because he had to choose between two of his loves. And then you said to me, Marie, he's 17. 
he doesn't know, <laughs> you know, what he loves. But um, right here, you see the difference between the two of us. I'm all up in my head. No, this is a sensible thing to do. You're in your heart going, but he loves her. Well, and I think he does the right thing in the end. But anyway, back to the film. <laughs> there was actually one other love that I thought I'd have liked to have seen a little bit more of. Tolkien's love for myth. Yes. And legend. You get a little bit of it with his mother. And I expect a little bit more of that to come back. Especially in the friendship with the boys. You, you do get glimpses of things, kind of, but not as much um, about myth. And there are plain opportunities for him to, you know, they say, Tolkien, do you have anything to share when they're sharing their poetry or their paintings? or, And he, you know, says he hasn't been writing, which maybe at that time it was true, but it would have been good for you know, maybe to have him read an excerpt of his work that we know was from that time or... Um, or to be reading some of the northern myths we know he loves so much. Yeah. Well, he does... Hail Haima does come from one of the myths that he liked, right? Yeah, I think About so. the underworld or something like that. Um, so there is a taste of it, but it's yeah, very it, small. It was there. I would have just liked it turned up just a little bit. When you consider that this is the guy who really put fantasy very squarely on the map for a lot of people when it was just disregarded by everyone else. And wrote the best novel of the 20th century. I think that's my biggest complaint about the whole movie is that I wish there was more development. But I'm, I'm not unhappy with it. I enjoyed no. watching it. And I'd say that this movie actually tried quite a few bold things. The cutting back and forth between his time in the trenches and his childhood. I, I found it a little bit difficult to follow initially. But coming back for subsequent watches, I would say it's, that becomes much more... That, that's much easier. One thing that I didn't know if I liked about that, though, was when he is on the battlefield and he's getting more and more delirious as he's getting more sick and tired, looking for his friend... Uh, they have sort of Mordor-esque shadows and fire and whatnot in the battlefield around him. Balrogs and yeah. yeah, and I part of me thought there is no foundation for this. If you hadn't read The Lord of the Rings and you were just watching this movie, you would think, oh, he's having an, a nightmare or a daymare, I guess, if you want to call it that. But there, they could have built that up when he was with his friends to have him share a little bit about, you know, this wild story that he's beginning to imagine about. And then tying it together a little bit more towards the end when he's telling somebody about the stories that he's writing. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that would have, I think that would have tied it together better. My final complaint, and I, I do want to emphasize, I did really enjoy this movie, but I've just got that personality type. When you, if you ask me, how could this have been better? I've usually got a list of my top 10 things. Uh, one of the things that I would like them to have done was to bring the story up until the point when the inklings begin so that you actually see the movie bookended. That is totally the Lewis in you talking, though. No, 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 no. No? I, I, I have... I'm going to stand firm on well, this. Well, let me... Allow me you to... want a movie about the Inklings, so you wanted it to go up to the Inklings. No, allow me to explain. I mean, okay. yes, it would be amazing that we could toss out the Marvel Cinematic... I'm going to the rest of my scotch. Sorry, go ahead. 
don't get me wrong, it would be great if we could, uh, inspired by the Marvel Cinematic Universe, have the British Cinematic Universe with a movie about Lewis, a movie about Tolkien, a crossover, and then you can have like an Avengers Assemble movie where they bring all the Inklings together. You can have a Netflix season with Joy Davidman's life. That would be cool. But the reason I say that I think they should have taken it up into the point of the family of the Inklings is that it would have bookended the movie very nicely because in the first half of the movie, you see how important friendship was to Tolkien mm. and how he gathered these these young boys around him and about how this group friendship nourished him mm-hmm. and how after the war, after he'd been through all of those horrors, the same thing begins to happen again as he has like-minded folk gather around him, producing all the same sort of fruit that the TCBS did in terms of uh, creativity and writing. Okay, I completely accept now. Sorry I sassed you before. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about some of the characters and the, the actors that were behind them. Uh, what did you think of uh, Nicholas Holt? He was the guy that played Tolkien. I liked him. And he reminded me of my brother Sam a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked him because I love Sam. I thought he was actually, I really enjoyed him as a little boy in the movie too. I don't know who played played him as a little boy, but I thought he was a good combination of quiet and studious, but still a sense of fun and a sense of humor. He was handsome. Although I don't know how much he actually reminds me of Tolkien the way that I've seen him as an old man, basically, in pictures, but... He was pretty dapper as a young man. You remember that moustache that I grew a while back? Spitting image. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I do like you. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked the way that he mimicked Tolkien's very slight stutter when he was speaking. I did not notice that. You can tell he's he's not entirely comfortable in his own skin as well, and that there's a lot more happening under the surface. Did th- you did you Wikipedia that? No, I just know. Folks, things. I gotta ask him questions like this every once in a while. To quote, when he seems like he's pulling something out of his rear end. Sorry, oh is goodness. that in- inappropriate? To I'm, t- say? I'm telling your grandmother. <laughs> no, to quote the. Uh, to quote the guy in Game of Thrones, whose name I don't know because I only saw one episode and was so traumatized by it, but I've seen this written on the internet. I drink and I know things. Uh, <laughs> and that's one of the things that I know. And I'm definitely drinking. Cheers. Cheers. Well, w- what about Edith? That was Lily Collins. I really enjoy her as an actress. She's played in uh, several movies in similar sorts of roles. Um, I thought she did really well in this movie. I think her best scene is when she is taken to meet the TCBS and then Tolkien gets superbly jealous because one of his friends seems like he's very interested in her and so he tears her away from the group early and she really expresses I think well um, this desire that she has to discuss music and art the way that he does on a daily basis but she doesn't get to because she's basically confined to the house day after day with the woman that she's a companion to. So I thought that was really well done because he was being immature and she was really enjoying the conversation and not even thinking about the romantic side of things, but he couldn't help it. He was a little jealous. 
And in that scene, I actually felt for Tolkien because you could see in his face that he wanted to explain why he was being a jerk, but he didn't feel like he could. Yes. Um, there was one fun fact I learned about that actress. She was originally going to play, well, she auditioned for Toriel. You remember the elf that was in The Hobbit that wasn't in the book? Yes. She ends up having a, no. a a love triangle with one of the dwarves. Oh gosh, no, I don't remember that. Well, the movie. oh, I didn't see all of those. You didn't miss anything. I only saw the first Hobbit movie. I think she was in that one. Yes, I think she was in that one, but just for a little bit at the end. But Collins didn't actually play that character. No, but it's it's kind of funny that she auditioned to play an elf in a, in a book movie. by. Tolkien and then actually ends up playing his wife. Yes. And on some of the Tolkien podcasts that I've listened to, I've heard other really sweet stories that I'm actually quite surprised they didn't integrate into the movie. So I heard that uh, the Tolkien boys were never fed that much food. And so what Edith would do is she would send them food and they would pass it between their windows on ropes. Oh, I didn't know that. And that could have been a very sweet scene. That reminds me of... Well, David recently gave me a book about C.S. Lewis that I read, but that during the wartime when the girls, the children were staying at the kilns, um, the housekeeper was very stingy with food because wartime. Yeah, it was. I think it was actually Mrs. Moore. Mrs. Mrs. Moore wouldn't oh, give them much food. Yes, and um, so C.S. Lewis would sneak them food after dinner through their window uh, because there was a sort of ladder type thing that went up and connected up there and so the girls didn't go hungry because he would sneak them something else uh, you know fish and chips from the pub or something that he could scrounge together and you can learn more about that in my interview with david beckman it was his book oh yes that's right i thought he was david beckham for a little while so did matt he got very confused but david beckman is just as great Absolutely. The book is great. It's a very short read, but gives you a nice glimpse into Lewis's life at the kilns. Mm. But yeah, no, I th- I thought the couple that played Tolkien and Edith, they were, they were really good and they were very believable. Uh, th- they did adjust the timeline a little bit because mm-hmm. they actually got married before he went off to war. But mm-hmm. this is a movie, so it has they to be... They made it a bit more dramatic. Yes, he needed to be getting on his boat and she's running after him. Yes. I thought I thought they did a really good job. And I actually thought, while it was not very Hollywood, him coming home from the war at, and waking up and Edith is by his side and he finds out two of his friends have died. It's a very low sort of feeling that you get at that point in the movie. And you get over the next few scenes the feeling that their marriage is a little bit lackluster that he's a little detached and figuring things out and i actually appreciated that because i felt like that's real life Mm -hmm. sometimes there are years where somebody's not feeling good or they're working through something and and it shows them sort of triumphing is that a word that is a word (laughs) oh my gosh I've had too much. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, I've only had a few sips. But um, when, in the scene with their children later on, I thought that they brought it up nicely and positively. But I liked that they showed that little bit of reality mm-hmm. um, because I'm almost married. 
<laughs> and I'm trying to stay realistic, but also excited. Well, they actually did something that I'm pretty sure doesn't reflect real, well, reflects real life, but not in this case, because in one scene, Edith is complaining about Tolkien being aloof from his family. And the one thing I've learned from reading Lewis is the one thing that was very, very important to Tolkien was his family. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he would leave the pub a little early because he needed to get back to the wife and kids. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe there's no basis for it. Um, but I, I guess I could understand it if it was from his sadness at losing the people that he loved and at feeling a little lost coming back into the world after war. I yeah. feel like veterans feel like that um, yeah. frequently when they come back from war. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm totally happy with them making something up like that to get a larger point across. Yeah. What about uh, Mabel, Tolkien's mother? You said that you really liked those scenes. The word that keeps coming to my mind when I think of the scenes between Tolkien and his mother is warm. There's just that really strong affection. Yeah, because his his mother has to move them. What's the town they moved to? They moved to Birmingham. They, Okay, I thought so. You can tell Tolkien does not want to leave mm-hmm. and move to Birmingham, but he trusts his mother and he obeys his mother. And he loves her. And he loves her. I, I really did actually quite like the very quick turnaround between, between... I actually really did quite like the very quick turnaround between him being angry, storming out, his mother finding him, and the two of them hugging. It was very, very sweet and sincere. Yeah. And I- she tries to make the most of their move and to make it enjoyable for the those boys when they do have to move. And there's a lot that's hinted at here that if you do know a little bit more of the background, how his mother was basically ostracized by her family when she converted to Catholicism. Tolkien always regarded his mother as a martyr because she actually died of diabetes and, you know, she had very little support from her family. Um, so a lot of that stuff was hinted at. I would have liked that spelled out just a little bit more. Yes. And that would have given them the opportunity to have a conversation or two about sacrifice, which would have then been very appropriate when later in the movie, all of these boys are going to war. Yeah. I would have liked to see them go a bit deeper with that. And earlier we spoke a little bit about Father Francis. Great actor, Cole Meany. I know him from Star Trek. He plays Chief O'Brien. So I was very happy to see him. I didn't think they made him as one-dimensional as they could have, but they could have fleshed him out a little bit more and made him a little bit less cliche. I was thinking about what I would change, and I think there are a couple of moments when they had an opportunity to give this guy more depth. One was when Tolkien's mother died. What he could have said to the boys then could have been really profound and set them up for what's going to be coming in the movie. And then again, later in the movie, where Father Francis is talking to Tolkien, saying that he always feels quite at loss when he has to speak to people whose relatives have died in the war. And he has the line, he says, I just rely on the words of the liturgy. And again, I just felt like I wanted a little bit more. You know, the really famous Tolkien quote, you, I think you gave me a a bookmark with it on, when it's talking about the Eucharist Mm -hmm. out of the darkness of my life, so frustrated, I put before you this one great thing the Eucharist. I think that was a really great opportunity to do something like that. Yeah. And again, you could have come back to this idea of sacrifice and longing for a better world, greater things. I just think that 
that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think we both would have liked to see that more developed. But at the same time, I think for a secular movie, they did a pretty decent job. If they could have extended it another hour and added scenes <laughs> to all the various points, if you're listening, you can do an edit. Um, I did think there was one nice moment with Father Morgan when the boys are sitting and waiting out in the hall. They're possibly going to be living with this very rich woman. And he comes out. I don't remember what he says, but he makes a, a joke about her having giant tusks, I think. <laughs> and the uh, the brother laughs. And I thought that was sweet that yeah. he did have a lighthearted side and he was trying to make the best situation for them. Sure. And one of Tolkien's other mentor figures was Professor Wright, played by Derek Jacobi. I love him. He's a fantastic actor. Anyone out there that's ever seen the Cadfile TV series or read the books, he plays Cadfile and is wonderful. He reminds me of a grandfather that I want to hug. <laughs> and I loved the drunken scene in the quad. And <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. I know, but I still <laughs> like it. And uh, Professor Wright then saying, what language were you speaking? <laughs> There was a lot of humour with Professor Wright, but there was one particularly powerful scene, and that's when war had been declared on Germany. And you saw many people at the university celebrating, being excited, and you see Tolkien and Professor Wright being much more sober. Very subdued when they hear the news. Because they know what's coming, because they spend all of their time translating these poems about great wars. Mm. So they know that with glory also comes great suffering. And death. That's a light note to end on. <laughs> well, let's, let's, in that case, let's end by talking about the TCBS themselves, the Tea Club and Barovian Society. As you said right back at the beginning, seeing them all together made me want that kind of friendship. It actually made me a little homesick for my men's huddle, a group of guys we get together once a month or so. We don't talk about great art, but we do talk about what's going on in our lives and our faith. And one, one of the things that did make me chuckle, there's a scene where, I can't remember who it was, but one of, one of the kids is, he's complaining that Wagner takes so long. He says, he says something along the lines of, it shouldn't take six hours to tell a story about a ring. Yes, I remember that. And, of course, how long is The Lord of the Rings? I think it's well over six hours. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is funny. I didn't think about that. I also liked how I think that same friend, when Edith came, he all of a sudden liked Wagner, even <laughs> though before he disliked Wagner, but he found out Edith liked Wagner. And he said, no, no, sh let, her, let her talk. <laughs> Classic flirting techniques. Ever since Adam, man has always got rather interested in things that he notices the girls are interested in. It's like, you know, you know what? I am actually really interested in hearing about this floral arrangement. It sounds really interesting. Tapestries are, are quite beautiful and yeah. window coverings really interest me. And, and, and please tell me more about your cat. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have a cat. No. So what would you give the movie scores out of 10? B. 
<laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Out of 10. Sorry. I was thinking, anywho, it doesn't matter. Um, I would give it a, you're not going to cut any of that out, are you? Absolutely not. It's all stay. <laughs> I would give it a six and a half or a seven out of 10, maybe. Yeah. See, I'd actually give it more. I, I, th- I think I'd give it seven and a half or eight. Okay. I think I give it that review because I've seen it three times now and I have no great desire to watch it again. Some movies I want to come back to about once a year for the rest of my life. Anne of Green Gables, Gladiator. There are just some classic movies in there. The Castle. The the Castle, if you haven't seen The Castle. Good on you, Dal. (laughs) (laughs) Dal dug a hole. (laughs) You got to go watch it and then you can figure out what we just quoted. I'll, I'll put a link to the trailer in the show notes. They have the most delightful accents. Um I mean, David's is the most delightful, but these are very humorous. For Australians, very humorous. Yes. But this isn't a movie that I feel like I want to return to. It actually, if anything, I would say it leaves me a little hungry. I want to read a biography now because I feel like there's not really anything more for me to glean from the movie. But I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've watched it with you twice and with my family once and... It's just good family fun. (laughs) About the Great War and mass killing. Oh, come on. (laughs) It doesn't really focus on that. Does a bit. But that's okay. Oh, my gosh. What what evs, man. Well, I think that's... uh, I think we've come to a natural conclusion. (laughs) Uh, We'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters, particularly John, Kate, and Rowdy. And uh, since my future wife is here with me in the closet, I thought I would end with a poem which Tolkien wrote for his wife, Edith. Lo, young are we, and yet have stood like planted hearts in the great sun of love so long, as two fair trees in woodland or in open dale stand utterly entwined and breathe the airs and suck the very light together, that we have become as one deep-rooted in the soil of life and tangled in the sweet growth. Oh, shucks. <laughs> cutest can be. Gentlemen, if I have one piece of advice for you, it's learn a bit of poetry. It comes in handy. It totally got me from the beginning. I love you. I love you too. Ooh. Oh, stop. <laughs> he just pretended to throw up, but he doesn't actually throw up when he says that. Everyone, please join us again next week when Tolkien Month will be continuing. We've got some really great interviews lined up, and we promise we'll keep going further up. And further in. Cheers. Cheers.